The grace and peace of Christ be with you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, and especially if you're visiting with us, we're so glad that you're here with us today. There is an announcement sheet that's inside the bulletin called The Connections to let us know some of the things that are going on this week. You'll see on the inside of it that Family Fun Night is coming up this coming Saturday night. It's a chili cook-off with bingo and bounce house and all sorts of things. So it's for kids of all ages and adults of all ages. And uh, I don't know if they'll let you in the bounce house, but I think Beth is pretending like she can get in the bounce house, house last I heard. But at least you can eat the chili and the pizza, and it'll be a great evening. We will be having a congregational meeting right at the beginning of the 10 o'clock service next Sunday morning. That will be to elect the new officers for the next term, our deacons and our elders and a few other officers next Sunday at 10. Also, our third Friday group would invite all of you to join them for an evening in Greece. Uh, Anna and George Kafalos, who are members of our church, Anna and George Wave, right back there, um, are going to be talking about their ministry in Greece. They are from Greece and some of the his their history there too, and it is going to be wonderful Greek food with Anna's recipes. So it will be a great evening of Greek fun stuff. We, you can sign up on the patio for that today. Tomorrow is our annual Grief at the Holidays class. If you have lost someone, particularly within the last year, you may find that the holidays are especially challenging. And so every fall we offer a class to help you think through some of the ways in which you want to celebrate the holidays this year and make them either the same or different. That is tomorrow afternoon, and everyone's welcome. You're very welcome to invite a friend to come with you to that, too. You can see that we are beginning to advertise a number of ways that we can be involved through the holiday season with families that are less fortunate. And two of those, you can talk to people at the outreach booth about this Sunday, the Camp Pendleton Marine Family Outreach, and also the Christmas breakfast for the homeless. And you can see some of the things that we're beginning to ask you to collect to donate for that homeless breakfast. That will be in December. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, uh, you call us into this place and this time. None of us are here by accident. You have drawn us here. You have caught up our lives in the nets of the kingdom of heaven. We ask that we may respond with joy, knowing that we belong to you and that nothing can separate us from your love. This we pray in your name. Amen. Please join me for a call to worship. O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and all those who live in it. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills sing together for joy at the presence of the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Let us stand and worship God. Breathe, breathe. 
let's sing out this morning and encourage the men in their faith. And then men will have you do verse 2. Women. Men of faith, rise up and sing. Church. Jesus. 
Jesus, what a beautiful name. Emmanuel, God is with us. Amen. Oh, Lord, in your presence, we see you clearly and we see ourselves clearly. And so Psalm 1 this morning calls us into confession. And as you hear the parable this morning, as we read it later, you'll see how these two connect very well. Psalm 1, we're going to sing this morning in plain song, and I will sing the first verse, and then we'll sing the rest together. And this morning, as you, do, as you do this psalm, the music is really not important. It's really about the words, so may we hear the words fresh this morning. Happy are they who have not walked in the counsel of the wicked, nor lingered in the way of sinners, nor sat in the seats of the scornful. Together. Their delight is in the law of the Lord, and they meditate on his law day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, Bearing fruit in due season, with leaves that do not wither, everything they do shall prosper. It is not so with the wicked, they are like chaff which the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked shall not stand in the upright when the judgment comes, nor sinners in the counsel of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked is So we come to the Lord and tell him the truth about ourselves. Let us pray. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, and too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear. And what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment? Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open to us a future in which we can be changed. And grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image. Through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And so we bring you the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ our Savior. Amen. My friends, while it is true that we have sinned, it is a greater truth that we are forgiven through God's love in Jesus Christ. To all who seek the mercy of God, I say, in Jesus Christ, your sin is forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen.
to you um, scripture here this morning from um, Luke's gospel chapter 5 and from Matthew chapter 13. These are well-known stories. Luke 5 on page 62 of your New Testament. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, He saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. And then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. And when they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Matthew 13, this very short parable. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that is thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. And when it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, 
and put the good into baskets and threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The word of the Lord. Lord, uh, may your Holy Spirit anoint your word this morning. Thank you as we gather as your family, that we know that we've been entrusted with a great mission of being fishers of people. We ask that you'll help us to be faithful as we go about that work. We pray in your name. Amen. When I left my previous congregation years ago, there was an artist in the congregation that had been with me on my first trip to the Holy Land, 1971. And one of the pictures I took that I have always loved with my slide camera was of the lake at Galilee. And I took this one picture early in the morning just as the sun was rising over the Golden Heights. The sun's rays were glimmering off the blue water. And the fishing boats were all there. They looked just exactly as I had imagined the fishing boats to look 2,000 years ago with Jesus. It's a large painting. It's at my house. And every time I've looked at that painting, it's, it's reminded me of this story in Luke 5 and of and of Matthew chapter 13, of Jesus in a small boat in an inlet of the lake on the north coast of the lake at Galilee, 650 feet below sea level, 12 miles long, 7 miles wide, tropical climate, sitting in a small fishing boat, Simon Peter's fishing boat in that inlet that formed a natural amphitheater where no artificial amplification was needed. And there Jesus, seated, watching as the fishermen cleaned their nets that morning, and he taught them. And I think it was in that place where Jesus taught some of these parables. And where as we read these stories, we are reminded that Jesus was able to look up into the fields and see stories or examples or parables of the interaction of heaven and earth and bring what was happening all around him into dialogue with the revealed word of God. He knew what the kingdom of heaven was all about. He was the kingdom incarnate in the flesh, Jesus of Nazareth caring within his own body, within his own life, and his words and his deeds, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of heaven that continues to overlap and interconnect, as Tom Wright said, with everything that is going on in our lives. So when he had finished his teaching that day, he observed that Peter and some of his fellow workers, his colleagues in that work, were frustrated and having a difficult time dealing with that morning because they had fished all night long, as was the custom on the lake. That's the time the fish would bite And in the morning, their nets were empty. They had caught nothing. And once again, they were on the shoreline, cleaning their nets. It's always seemed something of a parable of life as we experience it, at least sometimes. In our best efforts, our hardest work, our creative insights do not produce 
what we had hoped. It was in that context that Jesus said to Peter, Simon, load up your nets again and cast off into the deep. And cast the nets to fish some more. And Simon protested, not at this time. This is not the time the fish bite. They are feeding in the, at nighttime, but when the sun is up, they're going to be hiding. They'll see us coming. Nevertheless, Jesus insisted. And Peter, with such respect and awe of Jesus, who had touched his life by healing his mother-in-law in Capernaum, loaded the nets up again. They went out. They cast their nets. And they began to catch so many fish they could not contain them in the nets. And Peter called for his friends on the shoreline, bring the other boat and help us. And they filled up both boats. It was in that moment that Peter, in the blinking of his eye, suddenly glimpsed who it was that was with him. The Holy One. The presence of the glory of the Lord veiled in the flesh of Jesus. You ever had an experience like that? To suddenly know you're in the presence of God, to have a God sighting right in the circumstances and the events and the happenings of your life? Those are moments that come at unexpected times. and We can pray that every Sunday morning in the sanctuary would be such an experience as we listen to the Word of God and know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is present with us. That we've not been left alone that he knows where the abundance of life is at. And even in times when we think we've caught nothing and life has not turned out the way we hoped it would, he's there. Nevertheless, he's present. I'm such an admirer of Jesus he speaks to Peter, look, Peter, I'm changing your vocation. You've been catching fish all these years. Now I'm sending you on a mission. You're going to become a fisher of people. It took Peter a long time to figure out what that might mean. But I am going to make you a fisher of people. Not just of the fish in the lake in Galilee. How could that first century fisherman at the lake of Galilee could ever imagine that the rest of his life he would be spent in the mission of God, casting his nets, searching for the fish whose lives were often characterized by emptiness, by futility, by loneliness, by a feeling of abandonment, of lack of love, and all those things that we associate with our life experience. How could Peter have possibly imagined that that would be the case. But it was. Peter went forth as a part of God's rescue mission in the world, casting the nets of the kingdom of heaven and people from east and west and north and south were caught in those nets and pulled in toward life, held in the everlasting arms of the love and justice of the kingdom of heaven.
You remember when you were caught in the net? And who was doing the fishing? And how that worked out? You know, it takes a lot to be able to to write parables, short stories, or novels. There's a contest going on in the Presbyterian Church now inviting anyone who would like to to write a new parable of the kingdom of God, a short parable, and submit it in a contest. I don't think Jesus ever entered a contest, but he was one of the great storytellers. I've thought about entering the contest because sometimes I think I'm almost a writer. This parable of these stories have caused me to look at the world around me in a different sort of way to see what's going on, if I can. We also see through filtered lenses. Oftentimes we don't really know what's going on. But by God's grace, sometimes we're able to see. I, I thought of that big, huge whale that's been going down the Southern California coast, caught in the fisherman's lines with hooks in his mouth, weighted down that huge body and tail almost to the point where he could not rise to the surface to get the air that he needed. And watching that on television... And reading about it, I was so grateful to see the SeaWorld guys arrive on their black pontoon boats. And without the whale cooperating, participating in a rescue mission. And they almost totally succeeded over a period of time from Malibu to Dana Point. I think there's a parable in that of the kingdom that when we see folks and loved ones in distress and the beautiful creatures of God's world, we seek to respond, to do everything that we can to put our arms around, to rescue and to draw the objects of affection into some safe harbor our freedom in swimming. Someone wrote an article in the LA Times in the opinion section this week about uh, that this is, this is novel writing month. And there's a contest for anyone who wants to enter it. You can write a novel in 30 days and submit it. And uh, there were certain guidelines given for this. Uh, just, first of all, make sure you have a plot. <laughs> I thought to myself, duh. Yeah. Don't neglect your family while you're doing this. This is hard work, but above everything else, keep on writing. Keep on interpreting. Keep on analyzing and seeking to understand the world in which you live. The parables that Jesus told, some of them were very disturbing. This is one of them. I do not know how to speak about this particular parable in chapter 13 of Matthew that I think he told in one of those inlets on the north coast of the Sea of Galilee. He'd seen this over and over again. The fishermen would bring in their fish, their nets loaded from a night's work, drag their nets onto the shore, and there the next task would be to separate the good from the bad fish. And he said, that's what's going to happen at the end of the age. The angels are going to come and separate the evil from the good and cast the evil into the furnace of fire. What an image of hell. 
And I thought to myself, damn. How was it that he was able to see that implication of the story? And remind all of us who've ever listened to his parables that we live in a world in which there are, in fact, evil people and evil institutions and nations. Some who are resistant to being helped, to be, who are resisting being saved, are, are rescued, and who do unbelievably cruel things. How is God going to deal ultimately with the evil of the world? I'm so grateful that in that parable, the ones who were doing the separating of the evil and the good were the angels and not me. Because I do not want that job. And I do not know how to separate the evil from the good. Or even actually how to clean up my own life in the way I'd like it to be. And I've found out that if I'm going to be transformed and washed clean that only God can do that and the angels of God and I'm willing to trust that at the end of the age the angels will know how to separate the wheat from the from the tares and the sheep from the goats and the bad fish from the good fish there is justice and our God is a God of justice And there are some who, it seemed to me, deserve to be in the burning fires of hell. I could make a list in my own mind. Maybe you could, too. So one of the things I struggle with is how do we reconcile the justice of God with the love of God? How do we? Because God is just and he sees. And one day, as the Apostle Paul said, every one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an answer for every deed done in the body and every word spoken. That scares the hell out of me. Because I've left a lot of footprints and words around. And so have you. The only place where this issue of the paradoxical relationship between the justice of God and the love of God seems to me to be reconciled is at the cross. Where God took upon himself in Christ the evil of the world, the judgments that my sins deserved, all the evil of the world, and he became the sacrificial lamb taking my place and the place of all humanity. And he looked down upon those who murdered him and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Someone who can absorb, as Jesus did, the evil of the world in his own body knows how to separate the evil from the good. And that day will come because the visions that we have of the ultimate kingdom of heaven is that there's no more sin, there's no more evil, there's no more suffering and death because God is with us. And we are with the Lord and with all of God's saints who have been caught in the net. What a catch! drawn into the safe harbor of the kingdom of heaven. And so I want to read a couple of passages. A place where the Apostle Paul draws it all together for me is in Romans chapter 8. Verse 31, what then are we to say about these things? 
If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, that is, forgives. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died. Yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship, our distress, our persecution, our famine, our nakedness, our peril, our sword, as it is written, for your sake we're being killed all day long. We're accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I close with just this one quote from C.S. Lewis from The Great Divorce. He said, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. Without that self-choice, there could be no hell. No soul that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Those who seek, find. To those who knock, it is opened. Thanks be to God. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, and he lives so that we may live and enter into the fullness of life. Don't miss your chance, if you haven't, to say yes to him. Please stand with me and let's affirm our faith together. These are words from the study catechism of the Presbyterian Church. I will read the, the leader part. We'll all respond together. Will all human beings be saved? No one will be lost who can be saved. The limits to salvation whatever they may be, are known only to God. Three truths above all are certain. God is a holy God who is not to be trifled with. No one will be saved except by grace alone. And no judge could possibly be more gracious than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For by grace we have been saved through faith, and this is not our own doing, it is the gift of God. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You may be seated as we receive the morning offering. Jesus.
to stand and praise God. We'll sing the doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, God of deliverance and hope, you invite us to live in your favor, trusting on you for strength and peace. And we offer ourselves to you in response to Christ's call this morning. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, the light that illumines the darkness, teaching us to learn what is pleasing in your sight, who leads us along paths of righteousness, giving us the clarity of vision to discern the way we should live for you. As members of your church, your household, help us to look to him as the head of the church. Help us to grow in unity, be common in purpose and sharing in love. And help us in this time to count on you for assurance, to trust on you for your provision. We are ever aware of the darkness that seems at times to prevail in our world. Countries that are war-torn, churches facing persecution, people without food and shelter, others facing isolation or illness, and families enduring trials beyond measure. There are many peoples and places that come to mind even now. So, Father, we cry out, Lord, have mercy. Out of the abundance of your love, we offer these gifts to you. Accept them now to further the teachings of our great God and Savior so that all people may find in him the abundant love he so richly promised. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. We will now sing the Lord's Prayer. Words are on the back of your bulletin. Sing together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from
closing hymn is Rejoice the Lord is King. <laughs> Lift up your voice, church. <laughs> With a smile now. Rejoice the Lord is King. grateful I didn't miss that hymn. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. We go forth into the world to seek the joy of the kingdom of heaven. We go forth to continue to ask and to knock in the sure faith that at long last we will enter into the life that is truly life. And from the reality of love from which we cannot be separated. In life and death we belong to God through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God the Father and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>